0: Hi, welcome back to the Coder Corgi podcast. Today's guest is Malcolm Ocean, a creator of flow, from individuals to the collective consciousness. Thank you for coming to the show, Malcolm. Thank you. I mean, you came all the way over to my living room, so it was pretty easy. Wow. Malcolm also just made a really delicious smoothie, so I, I can tell it's going to be an amazing That's show.
1: part of what's flowing right now.
0: Mm-hmm. So Malcolm, how do you create a flow?
1: Yeah. Um, so in some sense, flow is what happens naturally. Like if you think about how, how trees just grow and rain falls and like, that's, that's all flow. And then when it comes to people, we can ask, so the question of like, what gets in the way of flow? And often people think that the thing you need to do is sort of get rid of whatever's in the way, but there's a weird way in which often more what you need to do is sort of embrace what's in the way and incorporate it into the flow And so, you know, if you've got some resistance to doing some project that you might want to work on, it's like, okay, what is that resistance? What is it trying to tell me? And, you know, one time I found that my resistance was actually me saying, look, like you wanted to do this project on the assumption that you were going to like do an amazing job, but you've only allocated enough time to do a half-assed job. Mm. And so I realized, oh, I actually don't want to do a half ass job of this project. I'd rather not do it do I want to allocate more time in order to actually do an amazing job? Actually I don't. And so it was like the resistance was actually telling me something like it would have been bad if I'd made a half-assed email newsletter is what the thing was in that particular case some years ago. So that's like an example of like turning toward the resistance and like in- integrating it into um, what you're doing. Mm. And how about for the collective consciousness? What would that entail? So it's a similar kind of thing in terms of turning toward the obstacle. So it's, it's very easy to think like, you know, when I talk about collective consciousness, like I mean that on several scales, like even just you and I here in this conversation, you know, or we're, we're sort of, we are thinking together on in some, in some way. And if, if you're trying to be un- understood by somebody and they seem to be sort of misunderstanding you or missing your point, there's a way in which you can be like, ah, that objection's not even relevant. And it's like, well, it's not relevant to the point you were trying to make but it is actually relevant to what came up for them when you tried to make your point. And so while the objection doesn't exist for you, it is part of what they are grappling with. And you can't simply necessarily sidestep that. Mm. I mean, it may be that they just got set off by some word choice and you can use a different word and kind of go that way. But there's a sense in which like what they think you mean, what they just said is relevant to that. Um, And so that's like, there's a similar kind of turning towards like, Oh, like if assuming that I don't actually think that the person is just not even trying to understand me, you're not even listening, assuming that I think that they are actually engaging at all. It's like, whatever's coming up for them kind of is what there is to meet in the dialogue. And that's what Mm. creates a sense of collective attention on things. And, um, rather than a feeling of kind of mm, argument, or, or, that kind of thing so it's like then dialogue flows because there's an attention to um where or like what the world actually looks like from each person's perspective mm. rather than trying to be like well you should just see it my way it's like mm. no we we need to see it together uh, um so, so you're yeah. paying attention for what's coming up to the other person
0: not not what's coming up to you
1: well and trying to trying to hold both at the right. same time yeah hmm
0: cool wow well. What inspires you? What are some of the kind of things
1: that inspire you? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I really like when people get in touch with what's, what's meaningful to them and, like, what the opportunities are that they have. Like, this morning I was on a call with a bunch of people where we were kind of laying out a bunch of the different projects we thought we might do this year and, like, how those different projects could synergize with each other. And I noticed I felt, like, a buzzy energy in my body when I oriented to that. Hmm. Yeah. There's a feeling of like, like, ah, we have so much potential and like feeling that sense of potential, feeling the, the precipice of it that we could go in so many directions from this moment. It's like, you know, it's like, uh, you know, on any day you could, you know, buy a plane ticket and go somewhere. You could try to start a new company. Like you Mm -hmm. could like, and most days it's not going to make sense to do those things. There's no reason to, and you've got other stuff you're Mm -hmm. doing, but you still could. Mm -hmm. And just, like, feeling that sense of open-ended possibility that, you know, that you could, actually could, let go of all of your obligations, you know, this instant and do something else. You can't do that and not have to deal with the consequences of letting go of all Mm -hmm. of your obligations, including that people might not trust you as much, you know, if you had investors and you just try to walk away from your company, you might have a lot of trouble getting investors for your next company. So, you know, there's still trust dances to navigate there, but you you are actually free to do that you just have to deal with the consequences but you're free to deal with whatever consequences you get from whatever you Mm. choose to do there's no there's no option that's fundamentally off the table and this is a profound feeling of freedom i get when i'm in touch with that
0: oh so so, so like noticing like everything is kind of what you you choose to do and you choose to do this like other set of things that you have the
1: sense of being in touch with this sense of freedom Exactly. Yeah. So like right now I could be like, okay, conversation over and just like walk out. Mm. And like, I feel like we're going to talk for a few more minutes. So I'm probably going to, you know, do that instead. But like, I, you know, remembering that I don't have to sit here and keep talking to you and that I'm actually choosing to do so in each moment. I'm, I'm continuing to allow myself to flow into this, um, is yeah. Part of, yeah. That, that sense, that's, that sense is one thing that inspires me is like that sense of freedom how do you develop this sense of being in touch?
0: Um, hmm. Sort of like a, a meditative practice or how do you, you like get more? Yeah.
1: Attention? I mean, one meditative practice I have, uh, I sort of call nothing to do meditation and it's sort of like, I just let go of any sense or, or I see if I can, you know, maybe I can't actually, but like, I let go of any sense of needing to do anything. And sometimes when I do this, I discover that, in fact, I need to go to the bathroom. Mm. And it sort of doesn't make sense to keep trying to just be like, oh, I don't have to do anything. Well, I'm like, <laughs> I got to go pee. But then I go pee. And then I'm like, okay, I don't have to do anything. I'm like, yeah, I don't have to do anything right now. Hmm. Hmm. What do I want to do? And it sort of, like, invites me more into that space.
0: Oh, oh that's a really cool perspective. Like, thinking about, oh, mm. what do I want to do? And, like really like consciously choosing yeah. it's like oh i i want to to work
1: yeah and and ultimately even the things that you should do you can find your way into wanting to do them if you first feel the freedom to not do them and accept the consequences of that so it's like even you know like uh, I, I should pay my power bill right well okay but i don't have to i could just let my house go without power and my, my you know my roommates would get angry with me. I wouldn't be able to use my computer. Like I, I'd have a bunch of problems, but I, I could choose to like have those problems, and then I'm like, I don't want those problems. I want the I want to just pay my power bill and have my power work. But like now, it's a want to rather than a should. Hmm. How would you apply this to something like sleeping in? Um, yeah, that's a good one actually. Like I've I've grappled with that myself over the years. So. I mean, I guess in some ways it's, in some ways it's sort of the same thing. Like I could ask you, you know, like how would you apply the structure I just said to thinking in, like, mm. do you want to try it out?
0: Yeah. Uh, I would think, oh, if I sleep in the consequence is that I wouldn't have time for my morning routine before I have to meet, uh, like a meeting or mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I would feel sad that I don't have this like critical time in the morning to myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time I'm like, oh, the, the bed is so cozy. Mm, it feels so cozy that I'm like in that moment, kind of prepared to accept the consequences of like, and I'm like, oh, my morning routine is just sleeping in. So, so that (laughs) kind of creates like a little bit of a dilemma.
1: Yeah. And so I think part of what's going on there is like, it is hard to imagine feeling differently than you currently feel just in general. Mm -hmm. It seems for people. Um, And so the you that's really cozy sort of has a hard time actually being in touch with how good it would feel, first of all, to have done your, your morning routine. Like, ah, yeah, I did my morning routine. It feels so good today. And second of all, how, how good it would even feel to be doing your morning routine. Mm. Like how, how once you are not, once you're out of bed, the coziness of bed is not that appealing anymore. It's not that rel. It doesn't seem as relevant. Whereas when you're in bed, the coziness is like one of the most relevant things in your world. Um, And so part of it is trying to just like even bridge that connection between those different ways of being and also to bridge them back, you know, and also to bridge not just, oh, I feel cozy now, but how, how will I feel at the end of laying in bed for another hour or two? Mm. Like, will I feel kind of like, ah, that wasn't really how I wanted to spend my morning, right? And can you feel that alongside feeling cozy? Can, can you get in touch with, okay, I can lay here and be cozy for another hour or two, but then I'm going to feel like, kind of like I wasted my morning. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's an option. I can lay in bed and feel how cozy I am and then feel like I wasted my morning. Like that's, that's, a, you know, feel kind of didn't get to do my morning routine. Like, and so really feeling, okay, that's an option. Getting up and, you know, doing other stuff is an option. Um, getting up and doing something completely other than my morning routine is also an option. Like, I could get up right now and just go for a walk. Mm. I could get up right now and call my mom. I could get up right now and uh, go on the internet and yell at everybody. (laughs) Like, you know, it's just like expanding the affordance space to like not assuming I have to do anything in particular. um, But like recognizing like, oh, there's actually tons of things I could do. And then you end up with this weird sort of problem of abundance on one level where it's like there are so many things I could do that would actually be kind of neat. And I sort of can only do one of them now. And I've got to somehow decide, um, sleeping in isn't an option anymore because you expanded. Well, it's, it's still one of many options. It's not like, uh, it's it's not like the appealing or, or it (laughs) is. And then you decide to do it as long as, but like, but the important thing is like, if you decide to do it while pretending you're not going to feel frustrated later, Mm. then you're kind of fooling yourself. Right. Um, that's, that's kind of the, the wool we pull, pull over our eyes is we forget about the future and we're just like, ah, oh, this feels good now. yeah Um, and, and then the other wool we pull over our eyes is we focus only on the future and we're like, I should do this thing that I hate doing in order so that I can get this good thing later, but I hate doing this thing, but I should do it. And then like, that's also slightly deluding ourselves. It's like, if it's worth doing, if it's really worth doing it, something like it should feel good in the moment. And by good, I don't mean like necessarily positive. Like, I mean, exercising is sometimes physically painful and, you know, filing your taxes is not the most exciting way to spend your time. But if you're clear on why you're doing it and you're clear that it's the best way to do it and you're clear that you're the one to do it and not somebody else. Like one of the things that I find bogs me down a lot is if I have some vague notion that somebody else, this should be somebody else's problem. Mm. Sort of like, uh, and this is why it usually doesn't happen with my taxes is because I know even if I hired an accountant, the main work of my taxes is sorting out a bunch of receipts and other expenses. And like, I'm the one who's got to do that. Like I'm the one who's got the receipts and expenses. Like I can't voice that off on somebody else really. Uh, There's parts of it I could maybe automate, but it's it's not that bad you know and so there's sort of a feeling of like I've come to peace with like I'm going to spend a few hours a year organizing my expenses for my taxes and so that's just that's my
0: responsibility
1: yeah exactly whereas if there's something where it's like oh I don't want this to be my job then it's it, it's really hard to get myself to do it understandably because I'm actually part of me is like this should be someone else's job and that part is going to be like we're not doing this this is not our job what, you know and so there's a need to kind of listen to that part and say okay well who, whose job should it be How do we actually make that happen? And so then you can imagine that pathway. You can go down that pathway too. This is like the thing with waking up in the morning. It's like, okay, so hey part who's saying like, this should be somebody else's job. What's your plan for getting someone else to do it? Mm. Like insofar as it has to be done. I mean, saying, you know, this should be nobody's job. It shouldn't have to happen is a different thing. But if you're saying, yeah, yeah, I know this has got to happen. This is, you know, the consequences are such that this has got to happen, but someone else should do it. It's like, okay, well, what's your plan for getting someone else to do it? Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, and sometimes there might actually be a viable option. Other times it might be like, oh, well, yeah. I mean, I guess there's... It would be way too much work to try to get someone else to do it. Okay, fine. But it's like, but you actually have to listen to that and like entertain the idea first. Like, You actually have to be like, what would be the... I mean, in this case, consequences aren't even quite the right term. It's just like, what would all be involved in that? What would that whole picture look like? Not just, oh, someone else should do it. But like, okay, well... But is it on me to get someone else to do it in this moment? And if so, like, can I actually do that? Do I actually want that whole world, not just the hypothetical false, false option in which somebody else magically does it and I never have to think about it again? Like, if that world is not actually available to me, then there's no point in wishing for that world. Um, yeah. Mm. If I have no agency to bring that world about, then that world is not actually in my locus of control. It's not in my choice space. Mm. Okay, therefore you have to do the thing. Well, or I have to not, I have to yes. not do it and let it not be done. Right. But I don't have an option that's like, without any acting of mine, somebody magically comes and does it. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't choose for that to happen any more than I can choose for it to rain. Like, it's going to rain or not. Okay. So then but like, it's not in my locus
0: of control. Not sleeping in. Like, okay, no, no one's coming to wake me up. I have to, I have to wake myself up. Mm. the consequences are all on me right like yeah sometimes it's like oh we have to go to a trip and someone else like drags me out of bed and that's like nice
1: well and and you might find that like you know that the thing you actually want like suppose that your morning routine were going to the gym Mm -hmm. it might be that the thing you actually want is you know getting yourself a roommate who also wants to go to the gym and is like happy to get out of bed first and be the one to get you up Mm -hmm. like that might actually be the answer Like you might really enjoy that in a way that you don't enjoy getting up to an alarm and going to the gym, Um, and so it's like that's like that's a creative solution to the whole puzzle Mm. that isn't about whether or not you get up; it's about how you get up. Um, Mm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, this reminds me. In July, I was like living with a friend for a few weeks, and uh, he would like wake me up each morning. We would go to the beach, and that was like
1: just a highlight of the. Oh yeah, that sounds awesome. My year, (laughs) Yeah. yeah yeah so you might ask like how can I get more of what I really loved about that now? Mm. Oh, these are great points hmm um wow this, this
0: is a <laughs> out out of questions this is this is a great flow so far
1: hmm as I said, I create flow,
0: yeah how did you get into creating flow if you like kind of step back and kind of like look at your life trajectory around mm. yeah like mm. How did you get here? And where are you going from here?
1: Yeah, I've been... I've been oriented towards, you know, flow in the sort of uh, productivity or, like, intentionality sense for quite a long time. Like, even when I was in high school, I used to, like, make custom little to-do lists on paper Mm. and stuff like that um, and try to come up with ideas there. And then um, in 2012, I got into... Well, two things happened in 2012. One was I got into goal setting um, and um, intentionality in terms of that, which later turned into the app that I run, which is called Complus. Which is sort of like you set a bunch of goals, and then each day it's like, all right, given you got a, you, you got all these goals, what are you doing towards those goals today? Mm. And you got to Oh, yeah. What am I doing towards those goals today? And it like helps you get in touch with that that you know sense of freedom. Like you don't have to do anything in particular, but like you got these goals. Maybe you want to do something about them. Right. And, um, and so I got into that in 2012. And I also got into like thinking more about interpersonal flow in 2012, like this whole collective consciousness thing. And, um, I got involved with a group that was oriented towards collaborative culture, which is partially like how can communication and information and relational experience flow between people? Um, so I don't know if you've had this experience, but like something people sometimes encounter is you have some experience with somebody that's like kind of annoying. Like they did a thing that you you wish they wouldn't do, and maybe they've done it a couple of times, and and you kind of want to point it out. Like you kind of want to mention it. Like hey, by the way, this thing that you did caused this problem. Um, and and maybe you even try. You try pointing it out, and you get back a response that's like a whole big defensive tangle. Mm. Or you get back a response that's like a whole big shameful apologetic tangle. And you're like, I didn't want either of those. I just wanted to let you know that this thing you did had this effect. Mm -hmm. Right? Which is about this whole thing about dealing with the consequences. It's like the consequences in some sense are just what happens as a result. Like there's a a story that I love about this, this little girl who dropped her ice cream cone and her mom started berating her like, why did you drop your ice cream cone? And she looked up and she's like, mom... I was already sad about my ice cream. You don't have to add more problems. (laughs) Right. And it's like that kid understands the consequences Mm. of the action. They're like, I know that I I see the consequences here. The consequences. I do not have ice cream. Fuck. I'm going to not try to, I'm going to try not to drop it again. And that's different from a situation where as a parent, you actually need to let, let a kid know about consequences Mm. that they might not have noticed. Right. Like, Hey, you know, um, like like kid you know you left your toy out in the rain and it got wrecked like mm-hmm. you may not have put the pieces together so i'm telling you about it the constant effect right which is yet different from being like i'm mad at you and and i'm mad at you consequence like that's a real consequence too but that's about an interpersonal thing now maybe the parent feels mad like oh i'm mad that i wasted my money on this ice cream look that's not the kid's problem at this point the kid has enough of their own reason to not want to have dropped the ice cream cone without you also being mad, right? Like so you you know, you can like you know, as the parent, it's like kind of your job to just suck up that part of the anger. But if the kid like is like pulling your hair or something, you can be like, hey, stop that. You know, and but that's like that's about your boundaries. That's about something some consequence that their behavior is having on you. And so you wanna communicate that back to them. You don't just wanna pretend there's no consequence. You're like, ow, hey, that hurts, you know. No, I don't like that. I'm not going to play with you if you hurt me like that. Mm-hmm. And it setting that kind of boundary. Where was I going with this? Oh, yeah. So there's consequences, and then there's how you feel about the consequences. Now, how you feel about the consequences are also sort of just part of the consequences. Like it's just, They're also part of what happened. Um, but sometimes people feel the need to make themselves feel a particular way, hmm. and they haven't considered that they're actually free to not. Like They are, in some sense, free to feel however... Well, you're free to feel yeah. however you do in fact feel, necessarily. If you weren't, then you'd have to throw out the whole universe and start over. Which is awfully expensive. Um, <laughs> but, but you're also free to explore feeling another way that you might want to feel. Um, if that's available. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people will be like, oh, you should feel bad about doing that. Well, maybe. But first explore just do you feel bad? Why would you feel bad if you were to feel bad? How does it feel to feel bad? Does it feel right? You know, like when, when something sad happens, like you feel sad and and that feels right to feel sad, but like depression is sort of like, oh, I feel sad and I don't even know why. Like Mm -hmm. I'm sort of disconnected from the why. Mm -hmm. Now, usually there is some sort of why, but the point is like, it would be, it would be weird to break down crying, you know, in the middle of like, I don't know, just a game of chess. You're like having a good game of chess. And then suddenly you're just like, oh, I'm so sad. But like, it makes sense to break down crying at a funeral or something like that. So where was I going with this? Right. So there's like there's the, there's like the natural pain like that the girl feels like, "Oh, I lost my ice cream." And then there's like extra pain of, "Oh, mom's going to be mad at me that I lost my ice cream." There's sort of like an extra shame blame loop mm. kind of bound up in that. So what I was trying to get at was, oh yeah, feedback between people and The shame and blame and defensiveness stuff blocks just the simple flow of information. Like, hey, by the way, when you did this, it had this effect on me. Or, hey, by the way, when you did this, it had this effect on, you know, the dishes not getting uh, cleaned in the dishwasher because they were caked on or something. Whatever the, you know, tangible thing is. And so... um, and so the, the collaborative culture thing relates to flow because it's about information flow between people. And the more that we can find, find a way to listen to each other that doesn't involve um, a sense of like f- the extra blame or shame or feeling of like, oh, I shouldn't have done that, but simply like, oh, I guess I did do that. And it did have that effect. How do you feel about it? How do I feel about it? Right? Like you can just be with all of that. But no sense of, I shouldn't have done that. Oh, well, I did. Well, good, it shouldn't have. Again, are we going to throw out the whole universe and start over? Mm-hmm. So, um, that's that's like some of how I got into flow, I guess, is sort of via those two paths. And I've kind of been, it's been an interesting process of realizing that they actually have more more connection with each other than I thought. Like, I sort of thought the world of goals and the world of collaborative flow between people was pretty separate but Hmm. it seems like they're both related in terms of like to some extent they both involve like dealing with the consequences of things Mm. and really deep listening to yourself or listening to others about what's actually going on what's important how you feel about things and then going towards those obstacles and seeing oh how do i incorporate that obstacle into what i'm doing and i guess to to go back to um that, like what you described about the impetus for this podcast, which I love, which is the sense of like, get people to speak about what inspires them in a way that it would like, you know, be a pick me up if they listened to it while they were feeling down. One of the things that inspires me most is this, this mode of being this way of seeing the world and oneself and the evolutionary everything that involves being in touch with the sense of how everything that happens can be incorporated into what happens next and in some sense necessarily will be and partially this is this is this whole aspect of you know getting outside of regret um and and the blame and shame loops <laughs> and now sometimes regret is pointing out like hey there's something i haven't learned from this yet it's like okay well that emotion in a, in a pure way is actually pointing you at something that needs to be incorporated so that's great but the idea that the thing shouldn't have happened
0: hmm.
1: is a different thing. And it, it actually sort of keeps it from getting incorporated because you're still trying to drive down the road that you can't get down anymore because you're already down this way. Mm-hmm. and sort of like, you know, if, you, if you're using Google Maps and you get on the highway and then you're like, oh, shit, I was supposed to not get on the highway here. Google Maps is, doesn't say that. Google Maps is just like rerouting. Mm-hmm. Continue on highway blah, blah, blah until you reach the exit. Right, and it's not that it's not that that highway stretch was the right way to get to where you were going the right way to get to where you were going was to not get on the highway there and to drive that way but now that you're on the highway the right way is to continue on the highway like oh, you, you, you can't you can't just yeah. go back off the highway ramp Right, you gotta like stay on the highway until you find a new way to get to your destination mm. Um, and so yeah life is like that like you have to, in some sense, roll with what's happening. And sometimes you can find a way to incorporate it into what's going on, even in a way that's even better than the original idea that you had. Mm. Um, and that's where the magic really happens. Like adapting to, to change yeah. your route. Yeah, exactly. And there's a principle from evolution called exaptation, which is where something that evolves for one purpose turns out to be really useful for another purpose. Hmm. So, like, what are tongues for? Like, we're using our tongues right now. What are we using them for? Tasting. Well, we're mostly using them for talking. Oh. <laughs> but that's not what they were for, huh. originally. You know, lots of animals have tongues, and they don't talk. Yeah. Um, And, and yet it turned out that this this weird, you know, floppy, like... like super bendy muscle blob thing in the mouth. It turns out that that, uh, is great for making all sorts of variations of sounds that wow. can be used to s- communicate symbols from one, one mind to another. Um, That's fascinating. Right. And it's like when, when evolution sort of, well, this isn't, this is the wrong way to think about it. Like you might think, ah, oh, evolution wanted something that, could do this symbolic communication. And it's like, sort of, but it's more like evolution already had something that almost could that like, it's like the point is evolution didn't have to build a talking device from scratch because it already had the tongue, which was mostly used for like eating. And it already had the vocal cords, which were, you know, would in earlier animals would mostly be used for like roars and, you know, barks and, you know, some simpler mm-hmm. sounds. And then, it was actually a very tiny amount of effort to just combine those and remix them into, you know, and the lips and other stuff into, now we can make a huge variety of sounds, not just speech, but also like, wow. And, you know, like all there's all sorts of sounds I can make with my mouth. Um, and, um, and, and that is all sort of for free in a sense. And so similarly, it's like being able to take a kind of evolutionary, opportunistic attitude towards life you get oh man I have this huge setback okay well how can that setback somehow be a resource to me right now it's like what can it teach me or how how can it invite me into deeper presence or what can it show me about um what I wasn't paying attention to before um or how can it be an opportunity to you know um connect more deeply with the people that I have to deal with this problem with. Like, there's all sorts of ways in which a setback can be an opportunity mm. if you're able to orient to it that way. And that doesn't mean that you want more setbacks. Yeah. But it just means you're able to embrace the setbacks that you do get. Mm. Um, and that 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 way of orienting to the world, as I said right at the beginning, in terms of, like, how do you get flow? It's like you embrace obstacles. Mm. Um, or what it is. Yeah. Yeah. and And... And you see how can this obstacle actually become part of the flow, not just something I don't have to deal with, but something that dealing with it becomes enlivening.
0: Mm, like taking this detour is a necessary part of,
1: of the journey. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So so it could be like okay, you know, I've got to take this detour. Well, w- you know, I get to see a new path. Mm. Right. Now I'm going to be late, but like okay, being late that's an opportunity to practice like you know apologizing or something it's like now it's not the opportunity i would have signed up for but that's what i get like and it and 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 it's you know um yeah
0: Yeah, that's really beautiful way of viewing things
1: yeah oh so that's what inspires me among other (laughs) things i'm
0: feeling like super inspired already (laughs) awesome cool well maybe we
1: should uh go join the open mic
0: yeah wow Thanks so much, Malcolm. Yeah. It's a really wonderful conversation. So many takeaways thinking about, uh, how to kind of like collective consciousness in terms of like holding space, both of whatever comes up for you and whatever comes up for the other person. Mm Uh, and also, uh, the, the idea of goals you mentioned, which is thing, Mm -hmm. there's all these possibilities before you and you have the autonomy to like choose uh, one of these mm-hmm. and choosing to to like not do a responsibly or not there's like different set of consequences but you're still making the choice with the consequences in mind and that's like very empowering
1: yeah you're free to accept whatever consequences you want to accept based on yeah. whatever action you do
0: and then like the, the third thing was now that you're on like a route that's perhaps not what you expected how to continue on that route instead of thinking about what should have yeah. been yeah exactly that's really awesome Thanks so much for coming to the show, Malcolm. Yeah, thanks I'd love me. to interview you again in the future.
1: Yeah, cool. Yeah.